So we've been walking uh, and journeying together. We've been searching for a king. And we now find ourselves on the windy paths of the hills of Austria. And uh, beautiful hills with, with the mountains in the background and growing around on the, on the sides as you ride your bike along the way are big, thick clusters of grapes. And this area of Austria was beloved by one of the, the, the kings of Austria. Actually, he's an emperor, the, the Holy Roman Emperor, Joseph II. The next picture, he looks a little more Christmassy. There you go. Joseph loved his people. He didn't have an heir, a son, to pass his crown on to. So he loved his people, and he wanted to, to bequeath them something that would uh, be honoring to them. And, and also, he really loved the people, especially of the vineyard country. And so what he decided was he was going to bequeath to Austria a gift of what is called the Hurigen. This is a little pub, a little... Uh, little restaurant on the side of the road as, you, as you're biking along the road, you stop and it's, it's, it looks old, it looks uh, beautiful, it looks very quaint and welcoming. And as you go in there, this is a special restaurant which the king declared every single vineyard was allowed to have one of these because they had restaurant licenses there and, and he, he actually offered this up. But there were some stipulations. They were only to offer wine that was grown on the premises. So if you go to one of these places, you're going to have the actual produce of the area. And any food that was offered also had to be very local. And so now there's these beautiful uh, little pubs along the way as you go in Austria that were actually like a gift of the king to the people. Not only did he do this, there was another gift that the king gave. Uh, he, he decreed on April 7th and 1766 that there was this area called the Praetor, which had been going back and forth between different noblemen, different emperor owned it. Um, but what it was, was this kind of massive area that was shielded off. There, was a, there had been forbidden anyone to enter that park except for the noblemen. And the noblemen would go hunting there and enjoy this beautiful place in the middle of Vienna. And the emperor Joseph II decided as a gift to his people, he was going to bequeath them this property and that they would be allowed to go in there and do and play and enjoy as they wanted. And so there's start, immediately sort of some restaurants started popping up there, and then some seesaws and some merry-go-rounds, and eventually some bowling alleys arrived to the place. And it became this, this beautiful gift that the, the king had given to his people, a, a, a park in the heart of his country. And when we think of this, this idea or this picture of a, of a king, of course, he's fallen in many ways, but it's a beautiful picture of how a king is supposed to act. A king is supposed to think of his people, and a king is supposed to love his people. And as you start to look in the scriptures and you realize that God is king, you realize that God is a king who gave gifts way beyond Joseph II or any king could ever give. It tells us in the book of John that God so loved the world, he loved his people so much that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but receive everlasting life. How many of you have ever heard that verse before? <laughs> How many of you have it memorized? Most of us, if there's one Bible verse we have memorized, it's that one, right? It's a very common verse. In fact, it's so common that I've been a pastor for 11 years. I've never preached on that verse. Mostly because I didn't want to be that cheesy pastor, right? Because I, 
And I was praying about this, and I, and I was praying about this week, and I kept coming, try, I had a whole bunch of different verses coming to mind, some of which you'll hear, but, but this one just kept coming to me. I'm realizing this is the ultimate expression of love. This is the ultimate gift. And it's interesting that the whole world knows it. There's a, a, a goalie, a picture here of a, of a goalie. You know who he is? Carey Price, the very best goalie in the entire universe. A gift of God to his people. <laughs> I was watching the, the game a couple of about last week, and, uh, and I, was, I was watching, and all of a sudden I saw on the back of his helmet, I was like, wait a second, does that say John 3.16? And I went on the internet, which knows many things, and I found a picture. It does! John 3.16 on the, on the back of Carey Price's helmet, which I thought was really amazing. Unfortunately, when I saw this, it was, he was on the ground punching someone in the head, so... <laughs> We're all fallen followers, right? So, But what I love about this passage, the reason it's so popular and it's so well known is because it is expressing in a nutshell the gospel. It tells us exactly who God is and it tells us that God is a king who loves his people. For God so loved the world. If you look at God in the scriptures, if you, go, if you open the Old Testament and you start looking through who God is, there's one theme that stands out above all. If there's one word you're going to say who God is, you would say God is king. That's the story of the Old Testament. God is the king. In fact, he had a little bit of an issue with giving a human king to the Israelites because he knew that they would start to look at that person as king and they would forget about the real king behind everything. And so when we think about this idea of God being king and and he's this king who gives his son, you start to get a real picture of what's going on with who God is. A king desired above all else to have an heir. A king wanted to have a son who would continue on his name. Now remember, this is in the, in the old days, before we had someone like Queen Elizabeth. A son who would carry on his name. And if you had this son as a king, that would be your great, great prize. That would ensure that you have a legacy, that you would live on, that your kingship would continue. That you meant something And so you love that son more than anything. You would do anything for that son. That son mattered to you more than your people of your kingdom. And here we have a king who decides his people are worth more. Decides that he's willing to give his precious son to his people. Now let's look at what a king does in, in, the, in the scriptures. We see in Romans 13.4 that there's a job that human kings, that God has for human kings. The authorities are God's servants. They're sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid. For they have the power to punish you. They're God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who, does, who do wrong. Do you know that was the, the purpose of government? That's the purpose of the king's? According to God, he he uses temporal powers to help keep a lid on evil. We see this in uh, 1 Peter as well, where it talks about the the purpose of the king is to to punish good and to reward those, I mean, to punish evil and reward those who do good. So there's a purpose to the king on earth, and and that purpose is to kind of hold things together so that the lid doesn't pop and and all the evil of the people doesn't just kind of go everywhere. 
That's the purpose of a human king. And when we look at scriptures, we start to think about that's probably the purpose of the divine king as well. And we start to think about God as a king, and we start thinking of him as this God who's, who's the almighty smiter. Right? He's just looking to punish, because that's his job. We think of this king who, who kind of, it's almost like a, he's like a Santa Claus watching around. Like he, just, he wants to put you on the naughty list. He's good for you. Just give me a reason. I'll put you on that naughty list. And this is the picture we often have of God. And yet, when we come to the scriptures, when we open this up, this passage, we recognize that this God is a, a different type of king. He's not a king who's, whose job is to punish. He's a king whose great love is to love. And who does he love? He loves the world. What is the world? Well, I, I suggest to you, first of all, the world is itself a great gift of love. The fact that you stand on ground, that you breathe in air, that you get to eat food, enjoy pleasure, these are all a great gift from the God above who loves us. Every breath you breathe is an act of love. God loves this world. He gave it its existence. However, this world didn't return the love. Ever seen those relationships where one side, it's one-sided? This is a one-sided relationship where he decided to create a world in which he would give free will, where they could enjoy themselves, where they could learn to uh, love and, and, and create and procreate and just enjoy the good world that he gave to them. And yet he just said to them one thing, is like, love me. And the world said, kind of love myself. I'd, ra I'd rather be God than love God. And they started pouring love into themselves in a way which they didn't really was self-destructive. It made the whole world break. And God's heart is broken for a broken world. And so he looks at this world, this cosmos would be the word there. It's not just even just earth, it's the, the entire universe. And it includes in many ways that uh, it's humanity. He loves his creatures, animal, human. This world is tainted. It's tainted by itself. And the world fell in love with the self, and we rebelled against the king. And yet the king, though he has the right to punish us, he decided he was going to do something different. He decided that he was going to act in love. And so he gave his only son his most precious treasure. The one whom had been from the beginning, father, son, and spirit, loving each other in a, in a perfect relationship, decided that it would, through all manner of mystery, allow that son to enter into the world. He would hand over his son, to the earth in the form of a baby. In the form of something so weak that if it doesn't have the hands of a mother to hold it, 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 will, it will pass away. This was the gift that God gave. He, he allowed his son to be brought so humble to this broken place, and he allowed the world to take his son. 
We see in scripture, Jesus refers to this idea of him being a son given to the people. A few times, there's a parable where he talks about it in Matthew 21, where there's a a vineyard and there's an owner of the vineyard and he goes to collect some taxes and they kill the the messengers. So finally he says, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send my son to these people. They'll respect my son. And they see the son and they say, no, let's take him. Let's kill him. Let's take his inheritance. This is Jesus talking about himself. Then again, in the next chapter in Matthew, we have another story where it talks about a king and it says the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. He says, I, I, I set up this thing where I, brought, I left my son for you and invited you all to come to him and, and, you, and you rejected him. This is the picture of what the world did with the gift of the son. Rejects the son. In fact, kills the son. But the father loves the world so much that he gives the son. Now, love is the thing that weaves the world together. Love is the, the, the power. The love of God is the power that holds atoms together. This is the, the most powerful force in the world. He, he loved the world so much, he gave the world existence. He gave the world life. He gives it pleasure. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to go over that. I'm going to give it my son. And I'm going to give a chance at living forever. The love of Jesus is this incarnation. This God made flesh is this gift of, it's a, it's a self-sacrificial love. A love that gives of itself. And that's what he says. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Do you ever imagine what eternal life is? We we talk about this gift a lot as as Christians. If we follow Jesus, we we believe in eternal life. Eternal life is this this idea of, of waking and rising and every morning living a life of beauty and goodness and truth, of love and hope and joy and peace, like every day after day going into infinity, being able to enjoy the gift of our existence. Can you imagine the preciousness of that gift? It's almost too good to hope for, isn't it? Yet there's something inside us as humans that that knows it. You know what, this life, there's something more. It's going to last longer than when I close my eyes for the final time. And this hope and this joy, we're promised here through Jesus that we will be given the gift of eternal life. That the kingdom of God is a kingdom in which love reigns. The kingdom begins with love and it ends with love. It is love. And I know so many people have heard this before, but I just want to take a moment. If you struggle with this, or if maybe you maybe haven't quite put your, your heart into this, or you don't know, like, you know what, do I believe, or, or don't I believe? It's, all it says, all we have to do is actually believe that this is what God has done, that he has given this gift. I just want to encourage you for a moment to, to accept that love, to take that step and, and believe that God gave his son. Anything that we talk about Christmas and giving and the spirit of Christmas and all this stuff, you know what? This is all rooted in the love of God that he offers us. 
And so I, I just say to you, maybe this week or maybe today, when you, when you, you can, or maybe right now, you can, you can close your eyes and, and just spend some time thinking to God and, and, and meditating on this passage. And, and if it comes to your heart, say to God, God, I, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he is the greatest expression of your love towards us. And I will believe in him. And I thank you for the gift of eternal life. And when you believe in that gift, when your heart truly is connected to God through Jesus Christ, you are promised the gift of eternal life. Amen. And this tells me something about my king, this offer of eternal life. It says that I serve a good king. I serve a, a king who loves. I think about the lasting repercussions of his kingship, of his kingdom. Uh, if you think about Joseph II, the king of Austria we talked about, what's really interesting about him is that he left this piece of land at the end of the 1700s, and now in Vienna, in the middle of Vienna, is this beautiful amusement park that all Austrians, all Viennans could always go and enjoy. It was kind of, it kept growing and growing. There was a world fair that happened there. And now we're at this, this time where, where this is a, a great space, a, a, a jovial space, a, a place where happiness and joy is, is meant to be found. Now, of course, it's a, on a worldly scale. But isn't it interesting that, that, that his legacy of love has lasted like 200 years? It's a pretty good king. How about a king whose love is so pronounced that it is going to last forever? That's the love of King Jesus. This is the love that we recognize eternal life. It says in, in Proverbs 20, 28, love and faithfulness will keep a king safe. Through love, his throne is made secure. It's a very beautiful piece of wisdom that Solomon offers here. And what we start to recognize is that the throne of Jesus is secure because it is based upon the ultimate act of love. It is based upon a, a love that is sacrificing itself. That's not thinking of itself. And we're told that if we belong to Jesus, we're, we're part of the kingdom of God. It says that we're co-heirs. It says that we are a royal priesthood. We're part of the royal family. As royalty, we have a chance to help secure this throne before the world. They can see that the throne of Jesus is unassailable, that the king of love called us to love. And so what does it look like to be led by a king of love? I think it looks like loving like he loved. And that is a tall order. And so Christmas is about loving. It's about giving. And I do believe the essence of love is giving, right? What is love but except for like giving of yourself to someone? That's what true love is. It's giving a piece of who you are to someone. And here we have this, this call to love at Christmas. And, and yet it gets reduced into a picture of giving a material item to another. Which, by the way, can be an expression of love. But sometimes I worry that we turn gift-giving itself into an idol. A way to maybe make myself feel better about who I am because I, I gave my kids something and they really liked it. Or I made sure 
You ever have that part of you when you're giving a gift? Like, if they don't like it, oh, they don't like their gift. What is that? That's not this love that we're talking about, is it? We can make an idol of gift giving. It becomes this, this way to maybe make ourselves feel better. There's a, there's a chance that we turn our, our love into this idol. It could be a selfish thing, a shallow thing. It could be void of depth. I mean, there's different types of love. There's, there could be this like kind of erotic love. It's just kind of like a, I'm going to take what I want kind of love. Or there's the agape love, which is I'm going to give what I have. And we see this in friendships today in our day and age. How many people use people? I mean, just they befriend them to get from them. Or marriages even, right? Where we, it's very easy to turn marriages or, or other relationships into kind of, what do I get from this? And I don't really feel the love now. And we turn love into a feeling. The, the giving love of God that we're called to at Christmas is a self-giving, a, a sacrificial love. It's a, it's a love that's generous beyond reason, it seems. And the world will mock you if you love like Jesus. I want to tell you that. Just like it mocked him. When I think about Jesus and his giving of his life, I mean, I, I remember reading some, from Sam Harris, who's a part of the New Atheist Movement, and he talks about the gospel, and he says, this is unjust. God is unjust. He, it says in the gospel, if, if, if someone believes in him, they're saved. So if a, if a serial killer says near the end of their life, God, I believe in you, Jesus, I believe in you, then, then they get eternal life? That's crazy. That person should be punished. And this is the call. He actually says it's unjust. It doesn't make sense. And I kind of get it, right? Because we want that king who punishes and here we have this, this king who loves, who gives the chance of eternal life to those that the rest of us would just throw in the trash. This is the love of God he'll give, and it seems unfathomable. I mean, other ways that we give self-sacrificially, we just heard from, from Brian, like, as we give to church, right? Like, I'm sure some of your friends think, we're crazy for giving, like, 10% of what we make to the church, And I know it's not easy, and I, I, I want to be a joyful giver, but it's been sometimes hard. I realize, like, I don't bring cash, or I don't have this, or, so I ended up putting it on a computer system, so now I get, it comes out of my account monthly, and I go, oh, good, I gave. It's not an easy thing, is it? And it's kind of a crazy thing, and yet this is what we do as Christians. We give this way. Or how about you're in a marriage, and, you're, and, and it's, it's hard because right now the other person doesn't seem to be, to be loving, and you're kind of just pouring into that love. The world thinks that we're suckers. What about taking our time down the next door and just pouring into people there, pouring into places where there's need, and it just feels like it's just always giving, and, and, and <laughs> what am I getting, right? Do you, you ever feel like, oh, just... And yet this is the love of God. This is how we're called to love our spouses, our children, our friends, our family, our church. It's not feeling like we're loved. It's just the act of loving, giving yourself as a gift, 
not expecting anything in return. And I want to say something as, to you as a church that I feel that this is a place of love, and I'm really thankful for it. I've been here for almost a year, and I got to say, I am feeling loved. Thank you. Like, honestly, I, a lot of your faces I haven't known for very long, and somehow I feel a real sense of love for you, and I, and I feel really loved by you. And I just want to throw this out there. Thank you for loving me, coming in and trying to figure this all out. And, and also, I just want to say to you, please know that I want to be able to love you in return, and that I'm here for you. And if you need to talk to someone, I know people are always oh, so busy, and, but I, I, want, I want to be there. And I know the whole staff is saying the same thing, and the leadership team, Nancy and Cole and Paul and Wendy and Grant. This is what community is about. And, I, I, and it's, yes, it's a duty in a certain sense, but you know what? It's more of an honor. And so as a church, let's keep that, that love alive. Let's, let's watch that and protect it and give and sometimes it seems thankless, but it's Christ-like. The king of love is at work in our hearts. The king that gave his son to us, that gives eternal life to us. And you know what we can do? We can turn it back to him, give our lives to him. Just as the Father and the Son and the Spirit were eternally loving one another, now we return the love to God. And we enter into this story of love. We're part of the story. And we get to share this love with other people. You know what? It's loving to share Jesus. And I, and I know sometimes it feels awkward. It can feel like you're trying to strong arm people. I just want to throw this out there. We have some cards with the Christmas cards for Christmas Eve. Give it to a coworker or a friend and just say, hey, we're having a Christmas Eve service with carols. Do you want to come? And, and it won't feel like you're strong-arming them. What it'll feel like is like, oh, they love this. They love me. They're, they're inviting me to it. Whether or not they come is kind of secondary. But it's showing that this thing that's important to you is important enough for you to, to love others with too. This is a, 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 a church that proclaims that we serve a king who loves. That we are his servants who are sent to love. So let's do whatever it takes this week to love. Let's show generosity in our gift giving, in our time, in our words. Let us, let's be able to, to show hospitality. Let's invite other people into our homes, into our lives. Let's show community together that, that there is this perfect forming love that comes for those who love Jesus. As we start to do these things, as we continue to be encouraged to do them, the king of love will be self-well-served. I could just imagine the king looking down and as he looks at his people, scrambling as we can through our daily lives, trying to live this life out, this supernatural love that's in our hearts, in a, in a world that's full of superficial love. When he looks down at us, I can imagine him just looking and he says, my kingdom Come, my kingdom is love. Well done, faithful, loving servant. Let's pray.
holy king, benevolent, all good, all powerful, yet all merciful. We worship you. We, we are awed by your love. We're awed by the fact that you would give of yourself so greatly that God himself would become flesh, would endure the cross, and in his love for his people, give his very life so that we can live. And so we celebrate your son. We celebrate his love. We ask, Lord God, wherever we are, some of us are hurting right now, and we need your love just to comfort us and, and to, to get us through some difficult times. Pray that you would pour that love into our hearts that way. Some of us are maybe in a, in a better spot, and we need your love so that we can give our love to others, so that we can be your agent of healing and loving. I pray that you would give us an extra portion of that. And I pray through all the thick and thin of Christmas that we wouldn't lose the central truth that you loved us so much that you gave us Jesus and that when we believe in him, we will be given the gift of being able to live a life of love with you forever.